everyone. This is Melanie, and welcome to episode 173 of the Savvy Girls podcast. I know I promised that Deborah and I would do this next episode together, but I'm solo for this one. On the next episode, Deborah will, she promised she will be there, and all will be explained, I suppose, but, or the episode after, but... <laughs> Uh, it has been so long, and I really, really, really wanted to get regularly podcasting again. So, here we are. Here I am. By the we, I mean just me. And so, anyway, sit back. I don't even know. I guess you don't... Honestly, you can just leave your knitting sticks in your bag if you want, because there's going to be a minimum of knitting talk to this episode. We're going to ease back into the whole knitting part of this knitting podcast. So sit back, hide your sticks, and enjoy the show. And I said, wait, hey, hey, it's just an ordinary day, and it's all your state of mind. At the end of the day, you just got to say it's all right. Hello, everyone. So it's just me again. I... Oh, let's see. I am in Montreal, Canada for the next week. It has been incredibly busy in the last couple of months. And I whew, I have not been keeping up with podcasts. And honestly, we've gone through a lot of things in the past six years, seven years. And I've never not kept up with podcasts before. But honestly, it's one thing if you're going through a lot of stuff in your life, you know, with traveling and performing and going to school or all the things I was doing over the years and then Savvy Dad getting sick. It's another thing when you're on vocal rest and are not allowed to talk. It's really hard to podcast when you are trying to save every bit of vocal ability for for singing on stage. So yeah, I was a good singer. I was on vocal rest a lot this fall and I have pretty much gotten my voice back which is a pretty big lesson for me. I guess I'll get I'll get to that. Anyway, so what's everyone up to? It has been a long time since we podcasted. There's there's this bit in the in the new Broadway show Natasha and Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 at the beginning where they do this it's a it's they use the characters and it's a partial partial retelling I think although I have not seen it of War and Peace and at the beginning they go on sort of as a patter song, a Gilbert and Sullivan style patter song, and they go on about what everyone's been doing. And so I feel like it's sort of like that right now. So in the show, it sounds like, and yeah, that's basically what's happening now. It's a version of that sort of like Deborah's married, Savvy Bro's married, Melanie's single, Savvy Mom Crochet's and I'm podcasting now, something like that. So yes, Deborah is married. She got married on March 5th. We had, I think we just podcasted, I think, good Lord, was mid-February the last time. I think it was. So Deborah talked about the crafting she was doing for her wedding. I would love her to talk about the crafting she did for her wedding as an, as an after summary, but as a quick, a quick summary as far as I can remember, although she clearly will know better, there were succulents used as as centerpieces. She knit that giant beaded chuppah, which people kept, people like hotel staff and, and they were giving other brides on the day tours of the area, tours of the, the building. It was in an old hotel and everyone came down to, to gape at the chuppah. So it was incredibly impressive. It was beautiful even though it was a lot more knitting than any one person should ever have to do. Let's see, there was the, what do you call it, the take-home gift, the wedding favor, wedding favor. And Deborah had basically taken tiles, put some kind of design on it with scrapbook paper, I think, and then and then painted a whole bunch of layers of poison on top. Not to kill the guests, not to kill the guests, although they had already given their presents, so... But no, not to kill the guests, but to make layers of something for coasters. I am not a that maker. I'm not, sorry. Oh, I should see, look, I'm, I'm podcasting tired. It's been three months and I can't even find an hour to podcast when I'm not exhausted. Anyway, so Deborah did that. Lots of wedding favors. 
She then went away to her honeymoon in Israel, where both she and her new husband came down with the flu and barfed and fevered and shivered and felt awful. Maybe they didn't barf. Don't need to know exactly what happened on my sister's honeymoon, although it probably involved barfing. But that happened. Basically, they were they were ill throughout their whole honeymoon, which will be a funny story one day. Maybe today? But it wasn't at the time. Meanwhile, I went on tour and I wrote about it all. I, I wrote a sort of a tour diary and I posted it on the Savvy Girls page because I wouldn't have remembered. It was day after day after day and so many things happened every day. And I knew if I didn't write about them, I would forget them. And I meant to podcast, but there was that pesky vocal rest. So, yeah, which was kind of my fault. It was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't. I had let myself get tired. I had let myself get run down. It was partly the situation. I was singing at an off-Broadway theater in New York back in December. That was somewhat dank. And dank always gets me. It just goes straight to the lungs. So it was kind of dank. And I was tired. And it was cold. And I didn't really have anywhere to stay in New York. So I was going from Airbnb to crappy Airbnb and performing two shows a day most days and working in the recording studio. And it was just, I wasn't necessarily singing in that healthy a way either because one of the shows had a lot of belting and the other I was, I was singing and speaking over a, usually a theater full of children who didn't usually attend the theater. So it was a lot of vocal stress. I was tired. I got bronchitis. I kept going, which Yes, being plucky is good, but being plucky to the detriment of your career-defining instrument is somewhat less good. Lost my voice. Yes, basically on stage during a performance of Opera Mouse. Had to do another performance, one more after that the next day. And honestly, I should have canceled, but what I did is I invited the audience back the next day and had an opera singer friend who, although she said she hated kids, did a very good job. She came and did the singing part while I croaked my way through the talking part, and we did it. And then I promptly stopped talking for almost two months. I like to talk. Okay, I didn't completely stop talking. I went home for a couple weeks, and I was there with Savvy Mom, and I talked to her, but she kept telling me I should shut up and go on vocal rest. And then I barricaded myself in my favorite Airbnb in Montreal for another month or three and a half weeks and didn't talk and when I got a vocal scope and all that then and then I immediately immediately went on tour after Deborah's wedding so that was right after that and I was just starting to get my voice back on tour I sang in Laos I sang in Vietnam I sang in Cambodia and I do want to talk about that trip at some point soon because it was an amazing trip I just think of I'm so tired. I, don't, I honestly, I don't remember what I did on the trip. I sang a lot. I bought some stuff. I took a lot of pictures. I, oh, I did things. Not, no, not sexy things. I mean, I wish. But, oh, I lost my voice again. I got sick on the airplane from Ethiopia to Sudan. I went to Sudan and Chad as part of the trip. Yeah, I'm definitely going to talk about it on the next episode, even though it happened a while ago. And so then I lost my voice again, had to be careful, had to sing on it because I was doing shows, etc., etc. It is finally almost back. I'm not convinced I didn't damage it, but I think the damage is not irreparable. And anyway, I learned my lesson. I can't just truck through things vocally as I kind of as I used to, but also I'm singing in a different style now, and it is a little harder on the voice, less classical, more cabaret style. So I, I learned my lesson. Don't get tired. Don't just make it through. You have to be a bit of a nice diva, but a diva nevertheless, and you have to be nice to your voice. Yes. So anyway, I had a point with all this. I believe my point was, oh yeah, I didn't podcast because whenever I thought about it, I thought, oh, but I'm not supposed to talk. So that was that. Then Savvy Bro got married just under a month ago in San Diego to someone I used to be friends with from high school. Yep. And that happened. And now I am back in Montreal for a week. Oh, no. Then I went back to New York to spend some time with Deborah and to work on a CD I'm recording. I will talk 
more about that. I think I talked about it on the last podcast, actually, but it's been going a little slowly. This whole can't sing business really puts the kibosh on one CD, <laughs> unfortunately. So I went to, I recorded some vocals for that CD. I recorded a CD of Vera Lynn songs for this upcoming Vera Lynn show that I'm doing this summer. So I have a CD to sell after the show, made sure all the backing tracks were ready. I'm in Montreal now to write the show. It has not been written yet, and it's opening very soon. And here I am. Have I been knitting? Yes. Actually, Deborah has not knit a stitch since her wedding. No, not a stitch. She she said she looks at needles and they make her feel a bit ill, which um, possibly it's after knitting that giant hoppa. I don't know. But I, I have been knitting, I've been knitting hats. One, two, three hats, in fact. Four hats, three hats, three hats. I've been knitting hats for friends. And I'm probably going to do maybe a pair of fingerless gloves next. I'm not sure. So I have been knitting. I've been knitting with Malabrigo because it's Malabrigo May, which is actually, it's Malabrigo March, but, you know, get more little late to the game here. I knit with Malabrigo and I knit... I have some beautiful yarn from the Buffalo Yarn Company, and I'm probably going to start a shawl with that. Oh, and I knit a shawl. I knit another shawl. I was in the UK with my friend Maya, who has been on the podcast, and we bought some yarn in Harrogate. We went to Harrogate, and it was lovely. We went to the spa there, the baths. We went to the baths in Harrogate, and we went to a yarn shop there, too, that our friend Allie, another crocheter, See, I'm friends with a crochet, see, mom, had recommended, and I bought these two skeins of gorgeous alpaca yarn. I don't remember the company. It was from Peru, I think. And one was gray, one was purple. I knit a shawl. What pattern? I need to look it up. It was, oh, I should be able to remember this. I actually, not only did I buy the yarn, but I bought for a pound, I bought an old copy of, I think, Knitting Magazine. And they had this beautiful, beautiful shawl on the front. It was a very long shawl. By the time I got to the end, it was, it was not, it was wide. I mean, it was wide. It wasn't super long. So I wish it were longer and less wide. It used two entire skeins. It, it's a shawl, all right. I have it. It's in Alberta. I have not blocked it yet, so I don't have pictures. I will put up pictures. I will talk about it later, and there's a lot of talking later, but I'm podcasting. This is good. Hey everyone, so it's the next day now, I am slightly less tired, and since I am supposed to be writing my script for my upcoming Vera Lynn show, I thought I would podcast instead. That seemed better, yes, yes, procrastination. So anyway, I thought I would quickly talk about, about the travels that I recently, although now it was March and April, I guess it's, it's a while ago now, but about the travels that I recently did, as far as I can remember at the moment because it's so weird. I I guess I was tired the whole time and I'm really glad I wrote it out because there was a lot and I I probably can't even remember it all. But anyway, so I went this spring, I went to Vientiane, Laos. It was for, that was, okay, this spring I went to a whole bunch of countries. The first was Vientiane, Laos. So I was in New York for Deborah's wedding and I left two days after Deborah's wedding. She and her husband left for Israel for their honeymoon. And I left about an hour later from the same terminal at the same airport. I actually went to their gate and I was going to say goodbye, but they had just boarded. So anyway, so yes, I different gate. I flew to Frankfurt, stopped for an hour and a half in Frankfurt, which was so nice to get off the plane just for a couple minutes. Took off again, flew to Singapore, where I stopped for, I think it was seven hours or so. And honestly, I think that was the best, probably the best stopover I ever had. Because when I stopped in Singapore, I rented a hotel room at the airport. And not just at the airport, but in the airport terminal. It was probably the best 70 or so dollars that I have ever spent. This hotel 
I think there was one in, in, there are two terminals and there was one in each terminal, but you could rent it up to six hours. So really it wasn't even for a proper night's sleep. It was for a quick nap on the way to change flights. But it was probably about 150 steps from where I got off the plane and 150 steps from where I would get back on the plane behind security. And I didn't have to pick up my bag. So I got off the plane, stumbled to this hotel, checked in, showered, fell into bed. Actually, I don't remember when I showered. I think I got a smoothie too. Yes, probably. Anyway, um, fell into bed, showered in some order, slept for a few hours, got up. I was clean. I had slept in a bed. Oh, oh, the glory. Anyway, so that, that was pretty sweet. Anyway, then I boarded a plane, went to Vientiane, where I stayed for about six days. I did a bunch of different children's concerts at various schools for different kids there, mostly Opera Mouse, versions of Opera Mouse, and question and answer sessions and things like that for kids. The highlights of Vientiane, aside from the performances, were one, oh my gosh, I could sing again. Huge relief. Wasn't sure if I'd be able to, but I could. The hotel was right across from Tyson's Pizza, and Tyson is a Canadian. I think he's he was originally from Laos, but he lives in he lived in Canada. With he he and his parents, I think they moved to Vancouver at some point and then moved back. He opened this pizza restaurant at it's amazing. He imports toppings from Costco. It's sort of one of the places where all of the expats, many of the expats hang out, and it's just still he's lovely. It's all lovely. I the first night I went, I met basically everybody, and by the second and third night, I would walk by and, and people are like, hey, Melanie, come sit at our table. And I did. It was almost like I had friends in Laos, far, far away. Anyway, so the highlights were the pizza place. Also, the pizzas were really good, so I ate a, I ate a lot of pizza. Also, the city itself is really small, which I guess it didn't... For me, it was my first, aside from Singapore and and Brunei, which isn't, it's Asia, but it doesn't feel like Asia. So aside from that, this was my first being in Asia for longer than a day moment. And it was, it was a good size to start things off. I know I should have left the main city, seen some of the other things, but I was being careful about my voice. And yes, so I was there. Next highlight, massages were so cheap. And I realize these are probably not massage therapists, but when a foot massage costs $4 for an hour, five if you tip generously, you can go from one to another to another to another. And yes, I did that. So that was definitely a highlight. Let's see. Another highlight was, oh, I rode on a motorbike. I, my, my first motorbike was a stopover in last year. I think I talked about it in Bangkok. I had stopped over for a few hours. So I guess there we go. That's another Asian city, but it was it was all of an 11-hour stopover, I think. But I had ridden a, I forget what they're called, a mini, one of these motorbikes there. And I rode, I was talking to Tyson and he collects motorbikes. And I had mentioned that I had never ridden on one properly. And he took me out for a ride by the water. Uh, Good part about that, it was amazing. Bad part about that, guess what? There's a curfew in Laos. It is actually a communist country. It is pretty strictly controlled at times. That was one of those times. So we were pulled over at a police stop with the the policemen or whatever they were, were dressed in Nike hats. It was definitely, and they didn't have uniforms. They did have guns, didn't have uniforms. So we got pulled over and... I think they were going to take our picture, but then they didn't. And then basically Tyson apologized a lot and bribed them. They, they, they specifically asked for a bribe for coffee. So he gave them enough money for coffee and they let us go. And we figured since we had already been pulled over once, they were probably the only roadblock in town and we went for a lovely ride. So I know, got to be careful. I know, I know, etc. It was wonderful. That was a highlight also. Not highlight? of Vientiane, and this is a theme throughout the trip, there was one thing after another that was just so physically uncomfortable. So it started in Vientiane. I got my legs and upper legs waxed because so cheap. I figured, okay, my epilator, which by the way, they're wonderful, wasn't working as it should. It, it subsequently perished, sadly, and I just got another today. So my legs are hairless, but sore. You probably didn't need to know that. 
so I went for a lake and more wax and apparently my skin was allergic to the wax. So they were on fire. Everything, hint, hint, not hint, hint, but nudge, nudge. Everything was on fire for three days, basically. It was, oh, it hurts so much. Actually, I know how it feels because I currently have mosquito bites all over my ankle from being in rural Quebec and... They are burning with a fire that cannot be quenched, but it was more than just around my ankles. So yes, there was that. Yes. Did I get a sunburn there? I think maybe there was a day of sunburn also. And then uh, there was the malaria pill issue, as in I forgot to take any or get any. And then I thought I'd save the money. And I know, I know, be responsible. But at the same time, I didn't want to do anything that might change my voice because not that I, it, it would, but what if it did? And I, I needed my voice to work. That I guess for me, that was... Point is, there was about a zillion mosquitoes. And although I was careful outside, a bunch of them got in my hotel room. I don't know how. I stopped, I stopped having the person come in and clean the room because I, just, I figured if I was the only one who controlled the door, they wouldn't come in. They still kept coming in. And this was a decent hotel. So I think they came in through the air conditioning vents or something because they kept coming and bit me all night. And my entire body was covered with, as soon as burning rash sort of sort of faded, giant burning mosquito bites everywhere. So that, whew, that was layoffs. All right, so after that, I went to, oh, and the last, honestly, the last couple of days in layoffs, you know, I, I'm a pretty good sport. I don't need to be treated like a star. But these two Canadians, another Canadian performer and a Canadian chef came in and I guess they have an agent who made all sorts of demands and they were being, they were given a bit more of the star treatment than I was and I don't need it, but it, it, I was getting a bit disgruntled, the disparity between that at the very end. So I was grumbly about that, got on a plane to go to, uh, um, hold on, a second country, which was unforgettable, Cambodia. I went to Cambodia, the capital of Cambodia. I went there. So I got off the plane in the capital of Cambodia, which is called Phnom Penh. Yes. Got off the plane there. Not even looking at notes. I haven't... As an aside... Okay. As an aside, I finished... I finished my trip and except for telling one friend about it directly afterwards, nobody's alluded to this trip. Nobody's asked about this trip. So... And I, and I don't want to... I don't want to just bring it up. It looks like I'm bragging. So in a lot of ways, it's as if it was something that happened and then I, it's gone now. I, I might actually make a, a physical photo album of it just, just because it feels like it happened and then life went on and I didn't, that's what happens when you travel alone. There's no one to talk to about it or share it with. So it sort of disappears. And that's why, that's why if I sound like I'm having a little trouble remembering it, it's just because I haven't even really thought of it since it ended, which is not, not right. That's sad. Good thing I'm talking about it now. All right, so Phnom Penh, I was feeling a little put out when I got on the plane, and then I got off the plane, and while I was walking towards immigration, a member of the Senate, I believe, was standing there to greet me. She took me away from all the other passengers and on a separate bus to a VIP welcoming lounge. Well, her assistant sorted out the bag, sorted out the immigration, sorted out all that stuff. Luckily, I had... I think that was a visa you get at the border. So I had my payment for the visa and they, they went and they, they took care of it, which was so nice. And then I was driven through traffic. It took about a million years, drove through traffic to the hotel, which was amazing. It was, it was like a Fairmont property if you're in Canada. Like, for example, the Jasper Park Lodge, I think it's a Fairmont or the Banff Springs Hotel. It was five star. It is the, I believe it's the fanciest hotel in Cambodia, possibly at least in Phnom Penh. It was an amazing hotel and I was slated to sing there that night. So I got there, got this gorgeous welcome drink, very sweet, gorgeous welcome drink. I mean, literally it was sweet. It was so sweet. The manager of the hotel is a Canadian. He came down to, to talk to me, which was really nice. Uh, I was singing with a local pianist who played at the hotel. So he arrived and we started rehearsing and we did the show that night and the princess royalty was there. So that was pretty amazing. And then she invited 
me and a couple of the other Canadians, she invited us out afterwards. Unfortunately, it was to a cigar bar. And again, being careful about my voice, I couldn't go. I felt I felt so bad. I wanted to hang out with the princess. It's like real Disney World, except good. So there was that. And let's see, I had a day or so. I had a day off, I think, then. And I thought it would be important to see some of the sites and being Cambodia and what happened there. And look, I am clearly not educated myself enough about world events because I didn't know any of this. But with the Khmer Rouge and everything and killing basically a third of the population of Cambodia was killed under the Khmer Rouge. So I, I went and I, I looked around. I went to this this place. I forget what it's called, but I mean, it's it's a school. It was a high school before the Khmer Rouge came in and it turned into an interrogation, torture and killing zone in the middle of the city. It's a high school, so it, it's set up like all the other schools in the area with classrooms and courtyards. And the way that, I mean, I, I've been, I've been to a lot of death camps. I mean, that sounds silly, but the putting it that way. But honestly, I have, I have been to a lot of places where people have died, places where people were tortured, and this, honestly, this one, this one got to me. It's, I mean, they all do a little, but not like this one. It. Oh my gosh. I mean, partly because it's still there. You go to Auschwitz, a lot of it was dismantled and, you know, for good reason. But this, it's still there. You go in the different classrooms and the, the beds, because they had one one bed in each of these classrooms. And when, basically when the Khmer Rouge left and the Vietnamese, I think, troops came in, they they found bodies strapped to or or attached to on the ground of each of these beds and they had a picture on the wall of how the body was found after being in the heat very graphic picture but black and white but after being in the heat what the body looked like and the beds were still there and you could tell I mean they were the same beds this isn't something for tourists this is this is those beds were where people were killed in those rooms with stains still on the wall I mean it was really it was awful and then there there were other rooms with pictures of all of with many of the victims. A lot of them were children, and a lot. There were even some North American, no Australian. There was an Australian guy who got lost on a yacht and got too close to Cambodian waters, and he got taken there. He got killed. It was just it was awful. And after that, I just sort of felt like I should go to the killing fields because it's important to see. It's important to see. Um, so I went there. It was outside of town. It was kind of a lovely ride out out, out of the city to the killing fields. Um, the killing fields were interesting because, I mean, you don't see, you you look it up on the internet, you see all these skulls. They, they sort of put all the skulls and the body parts in this large temple-like structure in the middle. But what was, again, there were two things that was really sort of poignant when you're walking around. One was the tree, the tree where they bashed out children's brains. So there was that. Yes, and it was it was there. It was just there. It is again. It's it's still there. Nothing's changed. And there are other areas where where the audio tour mentioned that you know every couple months they have to go around because pieces of clothing of the people who were killed and and pieces of bone work their way up to the surface and then they they collect them. And walking around noticing clearly they hadn't been collected for a while because there were pieces of clothing and pieces of bone slowly working their way up to the surface. So it was it was pretty intense, I've got to say. So there was that. The next day I sang at a big event. It was a big Francophonie event with all the ambassadors. It was it was pretty amazing. I performed there. There was a Belgian performer. There was the Prince of Cambodia. So I got introduced to the Prince of Cambodia and I learned not for the first time the lesson of your French sometimes is not as good as you think it is. My French is good. It is good. However, if you make a joke saying, hey, here is a prince, uh, finally meeting a prince. I've had to kiss a lot of frogs, but here we go. Now I'm finally meeting a prince. The word for kiss and the word for sexual relations, a crude term starting with an F. I don't know how to put a warning on the show, so I'm not going to say it, but you're all thinking it. Yeah, it's basically the same word. Or rather, 
I learned in school it meant kiss. It, it doesn't in French slang. So that was somewhat embarrassing. However, however, the prince, being a prince, was really nice about it. And actually, he, he asked me out to go afterwards to a jazz club. So I went out to, I think, the only jazz club in Cambodia with the prince and the former head of the ballet corps, corps du ballet of Cambodia. And we went and the former head ballerina in Cambodia. So we all went out to a jazz club, and the prince insisted that I sang, sing with the band, and it was pretty, okay, it was pretty amazing. So there was that, yes, and that was, and then I did a couple school visits, and that was Cambodia. So then I went on to Taiwan, and Taiwan, Taiwan was such, so, okay, Laos was small, but hot. Cambodia was busy, and large and hot. Taiwan was like another world, completely like another world. It is urban. It's, it's, I think it's probably like Tokyo. In fact, most of the things there are not Chinese, although Taiwan, they speak Chinese for the most part. They speak Mandarin, I think, or I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know how to reach me. But all the stuff there, they have so many Japanese things. I think it's a political statement. But like, oh, it's just, this, this city was so cool. Unfortunately, I was there for approximately five seconds. So I got in. I was the idiot who thought she left her cell phone on the plane. Well, guess what? I left my cell phone in a pocket of my purse. By the time I thought of calling my cell phone, I had been running around for about an hour and a half going. I even let me back on the plane and apologized because it was still messy. I love Asia. Anyway, so that happened. By the time I got through everything and waited in line, it was the woman who was there to meet me was in a bit of a panic. It was getting late and I hadn't phoned her because I lost my phone. So we hurried. I was, I was performing at a trendy hotel in a trendy area of Tokyo, of not Tokyo, of Taipei. And so I got there just in time to do a sound check, run upstairs, change and do the concert. And I was surprised because the audience didn't speak English really well and did not speak French really well. And they had definitely been French audiences at the other events. So I, I asked one of the women there to translate for me. We had, we had a good time with it. You know, I, we were joking. We got on really well working together. It went really, really well. And after I went out with a bunch of the Canadians, we went out to a pizza restaurant and kind of hung out, which was really nice meeting them. And the next day, the very, so that was after, right after I got there. The very next day, I took a train to Kyungsung, another city, where I performed at the French Alliance. So it was get there, set up for the concert, do a quick sound check, walk around the market for a while with the lovely head of the French, the French center there, do the concert, take the train back, and the very next morning, I was gone. So I didn't really get to see Taiwan, but it looked amazing. It looked amazing. I want to go back. Ugh, so many places. So after that, I flew to Vietnam, and I know everyone, so many people, so many of you have probably been to Vietnam. It seems to be the place to go. Didn't really like Vietnam, I gotta say. Once I started shopping, I liked it a lot better. I got presents for a lot of people. But it was so polluted, and there was nowhere to walk, and so crowded, and the street food was most, like the food, for, for the most part, was stuff I couldn't eat. Luckily, there was a vegan restaurant right beside my hotel, uh, my hotel, it wasn't great. I had to change rooms a couple times because one room stank, like smoke. It just, it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't love it. And I think everyone gets out of the main city, which is called Hanoi. Most people, they get out of Hanoi and they, they go to other places. But I didn't because I was, I was there to sing. I did a bunch of school shows. I did a French concert again at the Music Academy with a local pianist, and that was pretty amazing. That concert was great preparing for it. It was fun doing it. I've forgotten about that. We had so much fun. And I had I actually had a camera crew following me around before the concert and then to the schools, and I think they did a little documentary about me. I, I have to try to get it. That was so much fun. And the kids presented me with one of those Vietnamese hats and a piece of art they made. It was just, it was really special. I really, really enjoyed that part of it. But the city itself, I think, after after the other three cities, I think if I had just been there, it would have been amazing. But comparatively, it was just too busy and too polluted for me. But I was only there for a couple days, and I'm sure if I had stayed in a different district or whatever, that my opinion would have changed. Probably. The neat thing is, though, uh, at one point I was walking around my district, and I went to sit down at a cafe 
And I just sort of, you know, as travelers do, you greet the travelers at the table next to you. And it was a man and a woman, you know, and I said, hey, you know, we, we were talking and they asked about my travels and I had mentioned I was here to sing. And then the guy looks at me and he says, were you just in Cambodia? And I said, yes, actually, I was just in Cambodia. Anyway, it turns out they had seen me sing at the fancy hotel in Phnom Penh. So random, so random. So that, that just shows sometimes the world is a crazy place. Yes. Anyway, after that, I, oh, wait, I haven't talked about how uncomfortable I was for a couple countries now. I don't think anything happened in Taiwan. I think that one was okay. That was a bit of a break. No, the sunburn. I got the sunburn in the day I went to the killing fields. Okay, the sunburn didn't happen in Laos. The sunburn happened in, yes, the sunburn happened in Cambodia. So yeah, sunburn, not pleasant. Did anything happen in Vietnam? I don't think so. I just think it was really hard to breathe because of the air. Yes, and still had sunburn. So what happened next? I, oh, I flew Ethiopian Airlines to Ethiopian airport. The worst, the most unpleasant, the most often visited when you're traveling in Africa airport ever. God, I hate that airport with a vengeance. Anyway, so I flew there via Bangkok airport. And since I was, the, the way the transfer was, I had to go from one side of security back in because I was changing airlines. And it was just, I had quite a long stopover and the entire time was spent getting through lines, waiting in lines, getting to the plane, finally got on the plane. And by then my nose was sniffing and my throat was aching. And yes, I got sick again, again, not fair. So luckily I was, I was careful. I was so careful in Sudan. I got, I got to the Ethiopian airport. Luckily for me, when I went through security, the woman working there decided to, you know, squeeze my breasts, which was kind of a salty, but it also, coupled with tears, got me in the first class lounge, which, oh my gosh, I needed. So yes, there were cockroaches, but yes, it was also quiet and there was somewhere to sit. So that happened. Went on to Khartoum, Sudan, and it was so nice to get to Ed's, Ed's house. Ed is the diplomat I stayed with last time. He's lovely. He's fun. I got there. It was so nice just to have a comfortable bed. So nice to have air conditioning. Anyway, so we... Sudan... Oh, Sudan is interesting because it, it is a fascinating place. Getting the visa wasn't easy. I had to register as soon as I came in the country because you'll remember last year I, I was told I didn't have to and almost I wasn't allowed to leave. So all that had to get sorted out. But oh my gosh, being there, it is... Sudan and South Sudan are very different. Sudan was just... I mean, we went on a city tour, Ed and I. He was a pretty good sport about going around with me because it is more comfortable if, if there's a man around there just because culturally. I, I covered up, but I didn't cover up a lot. I mean, I had long sleeves and a long skirt, but I only covered my head sometimes and not full face or anything. And, and that seemed to be all right there. We went on a city tour and saw the dervishes, as in whirling dervishes, in Sudan. We went on another tour to the camel market. And this is not this is not something tourists do. We were the only two people there not to buy and sell camels. And which okay, and that attracted a lot of attention, which at times was negative, but it was fine, you know, and we we saw a lot of camels in the desert, not tourist camels, but oh my gosh, it's a camel market. You know, there are real camels there. And were they treated really well? Not really, unfortunately, but it was one of these, it was an, it was an experience. I, I'm glad I went. I saw a camel being slaughtered. It was actually less upsetting than I thought it would be. I mean, yes, they slid his throat and yes, there was blood spurting everywhere and people had blood on their, what is it, abayas on their white robes. They're, yes, it was violent and harsh and felt very deserty and I don't know. I, I'm surprised considering, you know, I'm a vegetarian. I'm surprised I was okay with it. I was kind of okay with it. It's just people kill animals all the time and this just seemed, it seemed honest in a way. I mean, people buy meat and they don't really think about, it just seems so packaged, but no, an animal dies for the meat. And so to watch an animal die for someone's meat, just it, I don't know, it just, it, it felt more honest than, than 
packagey Safeway meat, in my opinion. You could also, you could also buy jars of camel blood and camel urine to drink, but unfortunately Ed did not want any. I would have been okay with both of those. I really kind of wanted to try them, but anyway. So I performed there at several schools. Again, um, Music Academy. I did a master class at the Music Academy there with a translator, and I was invited to the House of the Human Rights Commissioner, and, and there was no time to go, but that would have been weird. Um, also, I performed at the French Alliance, and it was a sold-out concert. Over, over 200 people there. It was covered by the local television station. I did a question and answer period for an hour beforehand. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. It was, I was, a, I was a star. I was, it was amazing. I got to represent Canada. I loved it. Loved every second. Wish I, you know, wasn't dealing with a sketchy voice at the time, but you know what? No one knew. It was, it was great. So great. Then I went to Chad and Chad, I didn't know anything. Okay. I didn't know anything about Chad at all. I learned a lot about Chad. I, Again, I know I should learn more about world politics and things. I didn't know about the recent terrorist attacks that had killed people in the market, that had killed people at the police station, and the entire town apparently has basically barricaded itself in preparation for the next terrorist attack. It went from being a sleepy West African country, which is very different from Sudan, part of Africa. Um, it's not under Sharia law. It is not a Muslim country. I don't actually know what religion it is, but women dress in these gorgeous West African colors and they uncover their arms or not, you know, whatever they feel like. It's it's not covering your head. And it's just people look different. They're from different. It, it's it's different. It's it, The whole thing is different. Um, it's right across the river, small river from Cameroon. And I think that's who, where Boko Haram came in. It was like right across the river. So I was staying in a hotel that used to be a brothel. And right across the river was Cameroon. And you see people, I guess there's a huge problem with landmines too, just outside the city. So you see a lot of landmine damage and there's a lot of poverty and a lot just, it's a, kids, there's a lot, there's, there's still female genital mutilation being done a lot. And it, it, especially people my age or older. And it's, it's so strange to look at someone and think, wow, oh my God, you know, what, what, what happened to you? And a lot of the men too, they had markings cut upon their face and that, that too is a coming of age thing, just like the, the genital mutilations. So anyway, completely different experience. I, um, I sang a concert there. Also, I, uh, I did two concerts. The first one I did was was really losing my voice at that point but at the French Alliance once again there was a big banner outside with my name on it everyone in town knew who I was which again was amazing I years I since I was with a Canadian representative and he said we could take these little motorbikes I went with them and we took these little motorbikes um to the play to the Alliance to to rehearse for the concert I was wearing a breezy dress for the first time since Sudan and I was thinking oh it's so hot but I'm in a breezy dress I slid off the motorcycle the wrong side and a bunch of my skin stayed on the searing hot side part of the motorcycle. I think it's the exhaust pipe. Yeah, I still have that mark three months later. It was not pleasant. A sandstorm started, just a little one. There was sand sticking to it and motorbike sticking to it. And there's no, no ice at all. There was no ice because they, they bike the ice in and they were going to bike the ice, a big block of ice over later for the concert. So I bought a couple of bottles of water and just kept pouring cool, cool, not cold water on it throughout the, the, the rehearsal. Oh, it hurts so much. Anyway, so that happened. That hurt for a long time. Did that concert. The next night I did an opera mouse for, for kids. It was just for local, a lot of local kids in the neighborhood at the at the Canadian consul's house in her courtyard. And this woman's amazing. She's adopted 17 local kids over the years. She's lived here for years. She's a Canadian consul. And it, it, she, she is an amazing woman. And she set up this concert overnight and a reception for the kids. It was, it was great. It was so great. I want to go back and work with more kids there. I guess that's what I'm getting at. It was incredibly, incredibly rewarding. And I want to go back. So... That's it. Left Chad on my way out. The security people at the airport recognized me from the concert. Everyone recognized me. 
It was so neat. It was so special. So neat. So then I left and went to England. Yes, I went to England where unfortunately somehow I got flea bites all over. My, the, the burn was finally getting a little better and my legs, and yes, you can still see them too, are covered, covered in flea bites. So that was a little unpleasant and so itchy. Anyway, so I ended up staying with my friend Maya. She's been on the podcast. She's wonderful. We had adventures. We went to Harrogate to the the old-fashioned spa there, which are these hot, these rooms were the hot steam rooms and a freezing cold swimming pool. And I don't think I would have plunged in that pool if she hadn't done it first. So that was amazing. We went to a yarn store in Harrogate. We went to charity shops. It was so much fun. That I don't think I've had that much fun in far too long. So I did that, stopped in Paris quickly to get a haircut, and then headed on to Prague, where I stayed with my friends Esther's mom and saw everybody there and had a couple really nice days. I'm missing something. Oh, performances. Oh my gosh, I performed a lot. I performed in the UK in a whole bunch of theaters. I spent a whole week performing. I guess I should talk about that. I performed Opera Mouse in a bunch of theaters in Piaf and Braille, rurally in a couple of rural communities, one near Chester and the other is called Little Budworth, sort of not so near Chester, but not that far. And it was amazing. The, the shows were sold out, these community halls. I've been invited to come back next year and perform again. It was it was amazing. So th- those were more amazing experiences. I love being in the UK. I love going to eat at the pubs. It's just, it's, it's so neat. It's just neat. That's... Everyone's so nice. I got to go to Maya's pub quiz where Allie, she's a crocheter. She's been on the podcast too, Yorkshire crocheter. And we were a pub quiz team and I got to see Tracy, another knitter. She's wonderful. Anyway, it was so nice. And then I left. I think I left. I don't know. Anyway, I ended up somewhere or other, I think Edmonton. And then I went back to New York and worked on the CD I'm putting out, which I'll talk about next time. And that, I think was my trip. Whew. Can't believe there's another one starting in a couple weeks. I suppose I should talk about knitting since there has not been any knitting talk in this knitting podcast really thus far. So I'm going to talk about, um, summer knitting. I don't have anything to say about knitting. This is really hard. I am still working on this shawl with yarn from Manzula. I had started it, okay, I started it last year, and then I left it in New York by accident, and I couldn't finish it, and I have it now, so I, it's beautiful yarn. I am hoping to finish it. I also have a skein of yarn from Buffalo Yarn Company. I believe it's Lace Weight Sexy in a gorgeous blue color, and there's a shawl called Midsummer Night's Shawl, probably. Um, I need to buy the pattern, and once I buy the pattern, I it's like $12, but... I am excited to make this, oh, it's $12. It might even be $12.50. But I will probably buy this pattern because it's it's a shaped, it's a really nicely shaped shawl. And I think, I think that would be a good summer project. Although maybe not because it's lace weight. And I, I broke the yarn trying to even wind it. I can't, I can't be trusted around, around the thin yarn. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So those are two potential projects. I... I'm thinking of maybe knitting a couple more hats. I like, I mean, as much as one can like knitting, I kind of like hats because you do them and they just go around and around and around and around and then they're done, which is really nice. Really nice. Let's see. I'm trying to, really, that was a minute and a half. Um, oh dear. Um, I found knitting beer today. 
I was I was in the store buying cheese and bread and carbs to eat my feelings and such like. And I looked up and there was there was a bottle of craft beer with the name of my my knitting aunt on it. And I did not buy it because I don't really drink beer so much, but also it was like six dollars and I should buy it. But it was it was knitting themed beer. That's kind of cool, right? Right? Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, you know what? I, I, what else is there to say about knitting? I don't know. I know Savvy Mom hasn't been crocheting lately because I haven't heard stories about the bird stealing yarn in her beak and flying away with it recently. I'm sure we'll have bird updates soon in case you're curious because Mom has a million stories about the bird. Deborah has not been knitting because she just... I don't know, ever since she went on her honeymoon, she just hasn't been feeling great, and she has not been knitting, unfortunately, for her yarn stash. She has, however, been gloating over her yarn stash a lot. And so I I, I guess I'm the one. I am the one at the moment who is holding the knitting torch for the Savvy family, and that is terrifying. So I suppose I should, I should cast something on or work on that shawl. I don't have any other yarn. Oh, no, I do. I might cast something on tonight. That would be good procrastination, right? Right. It's neat and it's sweet. It's a ding-dong treat. Knitting socks for little feet. with your knitting all day long. Knitting's friendly and knitting's fun. Knitting's good for everyone. And that is why we sing this knitting song. With it, one pearl, two, what's a doozer gonna do? everyone and thank you so much so much for sticking with us and listening to episode 173 of the savvy girls podcast i promise i promise on my honor as we said in girl guides to do my best to get episode 144 no 174 174 up yes soon within within we're, we're gonna get this right back to being regular like the podcast equivalent of a bowl of bran every morning. We're going to get this regular again, and Deborah will be back, and everything will be knitting stuff and things. Anyway, if you'd like to reach us, Melanie at SavvyGirls.ca, Deborah at SavvyGirls.ca, and Savvy Bro is, I believe, podcast at SavvyGirls.ca. We are on Twitter, SavvyGirlsPCast, Ravelry, SavvyGirlsPodcast, definitely Facebook. I will keep up all of these a little bit more, although I feel like all I do is social media. You can always just follow us on Facebook also, personally, and I suppose that's it. So, Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. See you very soon. And in the meantime, tend to your knitting, kitten.